I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in to the Ops and Audibles post-game edition. I'm Matt Premier, Eric Scopel, Jared Mack on the show. Saturday night, uh, we are at our houses, fresh from the Ops and Stadium press box. Uh, it's a beautiful thing because it's 7.15 when we're recording this and then there's still football on. We will be able to watch some football into the night instead of working because the Oregon Ducks uh, made quick work of number 19 Colorado 42-6 to Saturday in a juiced-up, sold-out Austin Stadium. Um, I think I heard, what, the sixth-largest crowd in, st- in school history. Uh, we were all wrong. We all thought they were going to set the record. Um, it's probably about the only thing we were wrong about from uh, an Oregon performance perspective. We all picked well, Oregon would win. We all picked yeah. Oregon would win, and we all picked Oregon would would win this one by a lot. Uh, well, I guess one of us picked a non-cover, but we all, none of us thought Colorado's offense would be completely non-existent. That's true. That is true. Uh, and to Eric's point, Colorado 199 yards to finish this game. 127 came in the fourth quarter when they had their starters in and Oregon did not have their starters in for this game. Um, 522 yards for Oregon's offense. And really the only thing that stopped Oregon was Oregon. Uh, Bo Nix threw a bad pick in the second quarter. They scored six other touchdowns around that. And then they had uh, a drive end on downs inside Colorado's five-yard line. And then they had two punts when the backups were in the game. Um, About as good of a performance as we could have expected we could have seen from Oregon in all phases of the game. And that's basically what Dan Lanning said. Called it a complete game in the win. It was in the possible outcomes that something like this could happen, where it's just Oregon completely dominates. It's not a competitive game. Maybe, I think I gave Colorado a little too much credit, or I didn't give Oregon's defense enough. And I'm still kind of trying to determine which it is. Either way, Oregon's defense played, I don't know, that's probably the best 40 minutes I can think of against an offense we think is good, or at least was in recent weeks had, weeks had shown it was good that I can remember since 19. Um, just to complete, I mean, butt kicking up front. At Oregon's defensive front all day in the backfield for Shadur. You, you know, I, I think you could kind of see it as the game wore on. He just, Shadur was not having a good day. It, uh, just emotionally, it wasn't fun. Uh, physically, I'm sure he was feeling beaten up. And, and it was just a consistent kind of barrage of physical presences in his face and they got home seven times, which is the most Oregon had finished within a game since 2017. So defensively, I mean, we can talk about that for a whole podcast if you wanted to, just how many things were good. But I don't think this Colorado offense stinks. I don't think they'll be nearly shut out like they were on Saturday very often this season. And this was a game where, you know, there was a lot of eyes on this one. Jared talked about it. I know Josh Pates kind of shared similar things earlier in the week about the opportunity this presented for Oregon to have such a um, a team that draws so much attention to be on national television playing them. I think that the nation kind of got to see something with Oregon here. They got a better sense of, of what they can present. And I think anybody who watches this game has to come away really impressed in every, every facet, as Matt said. There were good plays in special teams. There were obviously a lot of great plays on offense and defense. Um, there aren't too many question marks coming out of this. There's a couple of small minor gripes with penalties. If you want to continue that one, Dan didn't seem quite as, um, interested in doing that as I would expect after they finished with, I think it was eight penalties. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, like, I don't know, I'm, there are people on the message board saying they should have 
Ty needed to throw the ball downfield a little bit, but that was the only gripe on our uh, on Tuck Territory's message board. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a really impressive showing. It was it was a complete domination, um, an absolute drubbing, as I like to call it. Um, I, I'm here to talk about the defense. That's um, kind of my role in this podcast. Kind of my role in life. I'm a defensive guy. Um, I think what Oregon showed against Hawaii wasn't a mistake. We all kind of looked at it like Hawaii. Were they any good? Like, come on. Like, there's still a bunch of. I, I think that was just like, yeah, no, we're we're this good. We we can take a team that's you know averaging over 500 yards of offense a game and over 350 yards in the air and hold them to dang near like under 100 yards until the fourth quarter when our third strings are in. And look what happened against Colorado. Colorado, another team. Uh, Shador Sanders was. You know, number one or number two or tied for a top three spot in basically every single statistical category that a passing quarterback could be. And he got destroyed today. And it looked like the, the, the sacks number is great. It's seven sacks. It's the most since 2017. So even better than the 2019 team that had a lot of guys go to the NFL and even had Kayvon Thibodeau, again, as a true freshman. But look, it's about the secondary. Jaleel Florence and Kyrie Jackson were outstanding today. Um, uh, Shador Sanders just didn't have anywhere to throw the ball. And because of that, he held the ball on for a long time. They're held on to the ball for a long time. And because of that, Oregon's defensive line, which didn't meet, meet much resistance already, um, just feasted. Like uh, Colorado's offensive line couldn't hold back anybody on Oregon's defensive line. And every couple of times, Oregon would send in a blitz from a linebacker, a safety like Evan Williams, just somebody else, and that would cause even more confusion. I mean, one time they had Jordan Birch line up as basically the Mike linebacker and just run straight into a pile of people and almost decapitate a running back on Colorado. Like, Oregon was having fun towards about the second quarter, and Colorado, to Eric's point, like, Shador Sanders was not having fun for a long time during this game. So I'm here to talk about the defense because I was very impressed. I really liked what I've seen from Colorado so far this year. I know that statistically, like they they peaked against Texas Christian and then went down in total yards, but they were still great. Like Shador Sanders' ninety-eight drive against Colorado State was still great. Like their offense still moved the ball. They still had a lot of lot of easy gains, a lot of easy motions across the middle, and for like fifteen to twenty yards, they had none of that today. It was a lockdown session. It was it was very impressive. Tackling was great. Um, I, I think that Oregon showed us what it would be against Hawaii and we didn't take the bait and I'm not even saying it's bait. We just didn't take them, take them very seriously. I think we should now. Uh, Colorado's to Jared's point, this offense is going to be good and they're going to put up numbers. Um, they have put up numbers and you look at just beyond, I mean, look, Shooter, Shooter Sanders could, he didn't have any time and that impacts everything else with the offense because if your quarterback doesn't have time, doesn't matter who it is, doesn't matter what the offense is. If you can't, if your quarterback can't have time to operate, everything else is going to get dysfunctional. And uh, Xavier Weaver is statistically one of the best receivers in the country. One of the best receivers in the conference. He had a solid day, nine catches for 75 yards, but he was targeted 14 times. And a lot of that came again in the fourth quarter for Colorado. Uh, and then you look at, also, Jimmy Horn, another one of the best, statistically speaking, receivers in the country. And Oregon just he, – he finished the game with negative yards receiving. And he had one catch completely eliminated from, from the game. Um, the secondary – I mean, we're going to talk a lot about the 42 points. We're going to talk a lot about Bo Nix – outdueling Shadur Sanders in this performance, three touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. At one point he was 11 for 11 throwing the football. Um, that's going to dominate the airwaves. It's going to dominate TV in the next couple of days, but you guys are right. The defense is the story here because they're going to play, like as Dan Lanning said, post game, they're going to play a lot of other good quarterbacks. They're going to play a lot of other good programs, a lot of good other offenses in the conference. Uh, and I think the I think the defense took a lot of stuff that was said about Colorado or not said about Oregon or not believed about Oregon the last couple of years or the last couple of weeks I should say and showed it on the field. Uh, you know, Casey Rogers talked a lot about just this team 
having the patience and having the understanding of believing in the scheme, believing in what's happening with the defense and giving it time. And Dan Landing talked about that. And we're starting to see just how good they could really be. Um, they just completely eliminated two of the better receivers in the conference, you know, and with the pass rush, but also coverage. I mean, Kyrie Jackson was phenomenal with what he was able to do in, in coverage. Transfer portal's been pretty pretty good to Oregon, especially yep. at that position. Jordan Birch today, my goodness, very involved. Two sacks, um, involved in I guess three of them because one was I think a full and then two halves. Just mm -hmm. felt like he was around Shador all day. Taishim, Evan Williams, um, a lot of these guys are popping and and defensively, you know this was this was the question and now I think you, we go into don't want to go too far ahead here, but to me, some of the way I'm looking at this Oregon-Washington matchup have shifted just a little bit because if Oregon can continue to play at this high of a level, right, that was the issue last year against Washington. It wasn't an offensive problem. Oregon moved the ball all over the place against Washington a year ago. It was a shootout, and Oregon was completely unable to stop Penix. We'll see if that is the case again in a couple of weeks, but uh, this was really encouraging, especially within the scope of what Oregon faces in upcoming weeks and the type of quarterbacks. And, and we talked about this was the uh, the best quarterback Oregon had played so far this season and to the points you've already made. He really wasn't given an opportunity to show that because I don't know where he was going to go with the ball. And even if he did have somewhere to go, a lot of the times he was having to run and move off of his spot. So like it was it was a tough, tough day for him. I'd like, I'm curious to see on PFF. The total, the totality of the number of pressures, um, you know, how many mm -hmm. times he was forced out of the pocket, all of that stuff, and and on rewatch because it felt like up in the uh, up in the press box at least, like, gosh, it felt like he was either running for his life or backpedaling with three or four Oregon defenders right in his face. There were some times where it was it was downright like I don't want to be that other human being because you can just see what's happening because everybody is on top of him. Um, it was impressive. I I bumped into Adam Munsetiger, the Colorado beat reporter at halftime. Um, and we were talking about the game and I brought up the fact, I was like, yeah, you know, we all, I kind of thought Oregon's defensive line was going to dominate. You know, we've all talked about the, the issues up front offensively. And he kind of cut me off. And he was like, yeah, that's true. But even when they've given him pr protection and some of these sacks that have happened on him so far, our coverage sacks, Colorado, he's like, Colorado's receivers yep. aren't getting open. He, he, no. There's nothing that Shadur could have done. Yeah, yeah, no. that's that was why that like the coverage thing is like the first thing I brought up. Like there were a lot of there were there were moments certainly where a blitz got home or Jordan Birch made a good move and it was just too powerful for the left or right tackle who was guarding him. But Jackson and Julio Florence, um, I don't even know if Julio Florence registered a stat in the book today. Um, off the top of my head, I don't think he did. No, but he did not. I mean, we talked about it. Like, Weaver had Weaver was shut down. Like, their their passing attack was non-existent. I mean, their uh, sacks adjusted yards per pass attempt was two point two yards. Like, their average yards per completion was six point nine. Oregon's was nine point four. I know everybody's going to yell about Oregon throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but still, nine point four yards per completion is pretty good. It was a line. It was everybody. Uh, but you know, give a lot of credit to Julia Florence and Kyrie Jackson. That was a huge question mark coming into the season. Was how is Oregon going to replace Christian Gonzalez? Because you know, first round pick, lockdown corner. How is that going to be replaced in this defense? Because in order to be, you know, more or less, in order to be a national championship contender or college football playoff contender, like you need a yeah. lockdown corner. You know, whether that be a first round pick or some guy that eventually gets drafted, but you need somebody. Um, I don't. I don't think Oregon has two, but. On, on any given day, it could be one of them. And today, it felt like both of them were locked down. Kyrie was very good against Hawaii. He's done a really good job this year, at least turning his head and not getting those pass interference penalties after that game against Texas Tech where he had a couple dumb pass interference penalties. And today was no different. Um, he did a great job turning his head, jumping, kind of getting into the route, deflecting passes. Um, I just thought that they were great. I'm excited to watch them on the rerun and the defensive line. I was just going to say, I kind of think Kyrie, I don't know if he's there yet, Jared, like, like you said, but he's getting to you that level. On, oh, sorry. I, I think, I think I was going to say Kyrie isn't there yet, but I think he's probably really close 
to being considered that lockdown corner. You see, like when he when he really executes a play well, like he had one play where yeah. um, you know, he jumped up, like dove in air and swatted it away, and Coach Demetrius Martin, Coach Meat, like ran onto the field and gave him a high five. Like those are the plays that you see. You're like, yeah, this is why He's Oregon close. wanted him. This is why. Because I mean, he's a six foot three cornerback who can move. It, it's not very similar to Gonzo, but it's similar. In like they have these this length and great athletic ability. Like you see it. Like in that moment, a couple times today, a couple times last week, those those flashes come out, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see why Oregon really wanted this kid in the portal. What's the ceiling for Jaleel? Like this is th- three starts in, question. and he looks great. And physically, to your point. Like he passes the eye test, he has all the physical, you know, attributes you would like to see at that position in terms of the agility, quickness, and then the size, length, and and the strength part is getting there. He's he's still relatively lean. I mean, in terms, of, I think he can actually put on more mass. But whew, this has been three weeks in a row against highly, at least high volume pass offenses where he's played. I don't have snap counts for today, but the last two weeks it was I think over sixty in one, and was it? In the '80s against Texas, I can't remember exactly. There was, no, I don't think it was that high. Was but. that? It, it was. I think he's played 120 plus snaps the last two weeks, yeah. and probably played less today just because the game got out of hand. Mm-hmm. He's just been awesome. And as a guy, again, as a, as a true been. sophomore, and you think about he's got this year plus his junior season next year. This is somebody who could go off the board really early. I would imagine the NFL draft, and and you're really, I think, it, excited yeah, to have something like that to build around. It kind of yeah. feels like. 2019 when they had Lenore and Thomas Graham. And I don't think either one of those guys is better than what Christian Gonzalez was like no. um, last season. But you also knew like, Hey, like, I don't know where these guys are going to get drafted, but they're going to be on an NFL team. That feels yeah. kind of like what this is. Like, I don't know if there's a first round top 10, top 15 caliber dude, but they have two NFL corners. Yeah, no yeah, I, I think so. Eventually, with Florence, I'm, I'll, I'll be interested to see what it looks like against Washington because Washington has yeah. two A's. They have two guys who are projected first round picks. Like, great, you got one of them locked down potentially yep. with Kyrie Jackson, but or Jaleel Florence. But you got to worry about the other guy and Adunze or McMillan. So that'll be a fun test. But today's test passed. Flying passed. colors. One more stat. Shador Sanders, 0 for 6 on deep throws, mm-hmm. over 15 yards through the air, 0 for 6. Steve that Stevens. Was the kind of, Steve Stevens was good. Like the, the whole secondary was just really good. I, well, I there the was that defense, one. Like, go ahead. There was that one play on the on the second half. Eric and I were still in the box. He had left already. And mm-hmm. there was an open guy downfield. And what? He hit him like right in stride and Steve yeah. bumped it right out. I mean, even the backups. We're making plays. I know Steve's not a full backup, but mm-hmm. to your point, Jared, the point remains, no, yeah. no, nothing was easy. Yeah, that's. I mean, the defense was was awesome. Do do we need to say much about the offense? Um, I mean, <laughs> Bo was absolutely. I, I I think really good outside of one play, and I I, I don't. You don't really want to fault him for taking the chance. On it, I mean, Troy was wide open. He just underthrew it. It was a long throw, and it was an interception. Didn't cost Oregon anything. They got the ball right back, and they went down, scored three straight times again. Um, Bucky looked tremendous. You know, ten carries for eighty-nine yards. And when Noah Winnington went down with an injury, Jordan James stepped right in, and no drop off. And then Troy Franklin, third time in four games, he's got a hundred-yard performance, which, by the way, ties his total he had last season through four games already. He's he's going to break that easy. The, those uh, single season receiving records are very, very, very much in jeopardy this year. I wrote about it a little bit before the year because you look at it, it's uh, I, th- I think it's 77 receptions and Dylan Mitchell had like somewhere around 1,100 or 1,200 receiving yards. And, th- and then I think it's 12 touchdowns or 11 touchdowns. Like yeah. I, I would, uh, he's going to, he might be all three. He might break all three of those this year. I don't think it's I took out of the realm of possibility at all. I mean, he's basically halfway there in terms of receiving production at each of those categories. So yeah, he was awesome. 
Uh, Bo Nix, for the first time at Austin, did not uh, guide a drive into the end zone. That happened twice. He had done so successfully, and I think his first 16 or 15, whatever it was, um, in the two previous butt kickings against Portland State and, and Hawaii. Um, the, aside from the interception, though, like he was, he was locked in. He played really, really mm-hmm. well. 22 of 24 in the first half, completed his first 11 passes. The Oregon offense just really I, – I, I, Matt and I talked about it in the box before the game got completely out of hand. But when, when it felt like it mattered more, just I loved just sort of what, how they approached it. And I think Matt made the point of it. kind of felt like Georgia against Oregon a year ago where interior run plays and then a bunch of stuff to the perimeter that's just short easy completions get the ball in space say hey our our athletes are better in space they're going to win these don't don't put the ball in jeopardy you don't even have to throw the ball down the field um and that worked for the first couple drives and eventually the top came off the defense and they, they found a couple down the field so i but i thought there's very little to gripe about really in general in this game but the offense in particular we just talked about how great the defense was they need to have some flowers too, because there was a lot of really good stuff here and, and still some penalty stuff to clean up still. You may be a little concerned. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the no Whittington injury, maybe in a moment here um, that puts a little bit of a damper on, on some of the stuff, but uh, Bo's great. The skill guys are great. I thought the offensive line handled themselves pretty darn well with this, with the exception of uh, I have a couple of penalties. Yeah. And, and to talk specifically about Bo, it almost felt like overkill when they would use him. Because Oregon could have won this game probably like 35 to nothing or 35 to six if they just ran the ball. Like if they just sat in 12 or 13 personnel and ran the ball to the left, then to the right, then up the middle, then to the left, right, middle. I think they would have had just a, just a fine time doing that too. Like Bucky was 10 carries for 89 yards. Uh, Jordan James, 7.7 yards per carry. I mean, Whittington was the worst, and he was 5.6. Like, even Ty Thompson got in there for seven yards. Like, and and, and I felt like the it was a lot of interior runs that mm-hmm. um, were yeah. breakout. They were 15 yards, 20 yards, you know, nine yards on a second and eight. Like, it felt like instead of games pass where outside runs seemed to be um, – working at a, at a higher rate than inside runs seemed like the opposite way this time around. And regardless, they still broke off some outside runs. It's not like they, they were shunned or stopped every single time they tried it. Uh, I thought the offensive line was great. There were a couple of penalties, I think one on JPJ, one on Connerly. Um, but I think that was like basically about it. They rotated about the same with Poncho coming in for Steven Jones. Um, I thought they just played great. I, Quickly on the, we can just jump into the Whittington thing because I don't have too much to say about the offense. I thought that they, that wasn't going to be a concern heading into this game. They were going to score forty points. It's just how would they score the forty something points? But for I, for Whittington, real, real real quick, real quick before you yeah. touch on Whittington, I wanted to give Eric an update to Eric's comment about the stats for receivers for Troy Franklin. Um, just real quick, Eric, he's on pace for seventy five catches. And 1,254 yards, and that's just through 12 games. So right. if Oregon yeah. gets to a bowl game, those numbers get wiped out. All right, go ahead, Jared. Conference championship game two. Yep. Conference let's, championship. Let's, let's yeah. be optimistic. I think that's a very much likely possibility. <laughs> Depending very on the true. bowl game, Troy might just not play if he's got those type of numbers going into it because it might be a first-round pick. Um, yeah, uh, no Whittington. I think it was in the third quarter. Took a run on the outside off of uh, the right tackle. Got tripped up, tackled normally, um, kind of just fell down, didn't get up, uh, just looked like he was in pain, needed um, assistance, complete assistance getting over to the bench. He didn't put any weight on his left leg, went into the training tent. Uh, Yeah, he hopped over, could not put any weight on his left leg, Um, went to the training tent, got out, jumped on a cart, got driven to the locker room. Um, Dan's quote, which Eric has, is probably a little – it's a little interesting. It's probably less yeah. than ideal what you'd like to hear about, especially from Dan, considering, and he mentions it, that he doesn't talk about injuries. But this one he talked about, and it was a weird, not a, maybe not a weird, but it, it was an interesting response from Dan. I'll just say before I read it, it's a little all over the place, which leads me to believe it was kind of more stream of consciousness, and his brain, his thoughts are a little bit scattered as he was going through it. Because I think one of the things that I've noticed with Dan is 90% of the times he's 
knows exactly what he wants to say, exactly how he's going to say it, and he how he's going to deliver it. This just felt like he kind of talked himself a little into circles, which was interesting. But here's what he said. He said, I don't normally talk about injuries, and I think there's still more to be decided here. But I think Noah is going to be down for a bit. I need everyone to say prayers for him. He's healthy. He's okay. But he's probably going to be down for a bit. I need everyone to have Noah in your prayers. That's a tough kid who we're really proud and fortunate to have. There are bright days ahead for Noah. I just don't know that we will have him here the next few weeks. Um, so like I said, uh, just a kind of a bunch of different things were said here. I think the clear through line is don't expect him at all in the short term. Next few weeks is, is Dan's already kind of preempting that and saying don't expect him. So mm-hmm. certainly not against Stanford, not in the bye week. After that, you know, that's those are two weeks. So who knows if he's available against Washington. I kind of wouldn't expect it. The fact that you're asking for prayers, but it's also saying he's healthy and okay. It's just kind of, again, all over the place. So I, I have a hard time totally knowing what to make of it, um, other than to say it, it looked like when he was carted off, it was left foot or left lower leg of some kind because his cleat was removed and his foot was um, – did obviously, like I said earlier, didn't put any pressure on it. So puts a bit of a damper on the whole thing. Go ahead. I think to read into what Dan said is he realizes that everyone saw the injury. Everyone knows when a player gets carted off, sure. it's it's serious. And – I think when he says he's healthy, meaning like, hey, like he will eventually get back to whatever he's getting back from. But this is a serious injury. And I, the fact that he talked about it, and now I know he talked in circles, but the fact that he talked about it tells you it's pretty serious. Like if if this was a case where he's back in two weeks, he's, he's going to pull that we don't talk about injuries. And I'm only going to talk about the guys that played in the game. But because it's such a, massive injury i think and he talks about it that gives you insight there and it where Warren goes from here i mean look we've people have been talking like why are they rotating running backs why don't they just give one guy that did it this last season um and unfortunately like noah whittington on wednesday was just gushing about jordan james and the potential that jordan james has and said he is going to Mm -hmm. be a very special player uh, for Oregon down the road. And unfortunately now for Noah, he's hurt. And this is going to be Jordan James's opportunity to get even more carries than he's had this season. I, I, I'd be really curious to know what the season stats are um, updated, how close he is to being the number one back from a carries only perspective. I know he doesn't play as much as, as Bucky, but he's had a lot of run through four games and it's only going to go up from, from here because Bucky while he's tremendous, he can't do this by himself. Jordan James is already leading the Pac-12 in rushing touchdowns with five. He scored again today. So that just sort of speaks to the production he's had so far. Um, yeah. Now, we'll, we'll, I think we can, when, when and if we learn more, and we'll get through this week and into the bye week, it's probably a good time to try to make some sort of assessments here. But I certainly don't think you see, you see him against Stanford probably don't need him against Stanford. And again, the good news no. is here. And, and of course there's a lot of bad news here because no one likes to see a player get injured. No one wants to see a player of Noah's caliber get injured. Cause that has potentially a big impact. This is a position where Oregon has two already proven, very capable players. Bucky Irving is remains and proved it again today. Didn't get to my 150 yards rushing, but every one of his runs felt like he broke three tackles. Uh, I'm sure there are people who hadn't seen a whole lot of Bucky Irving who came away saying, that's one of the best running backs in the country, which I think those locally here have already known for a while. And then Jordan James, I still, I love the kid. I think he's going to be really, really good. And and so the running game shouldn't take a huge dip, but certainly you hate to see such a crucial part of the offense go out with, again, seemingly a, a pretty significant injury. This is going to sound interesting, I guess, but I'm, I, in my brain, I kind of think of it as the, the when CJ Verdell went down and Cardwell came in. Like I think Winnington is a much better running back than either CJ Verdell or Byron Cardwell. And I think Jordan James is going to end up a, as a better running back than both those guys. But you're almost a little bit excited that this young guy can get some more run because you've seen what he can do in short sample size. But I mean this, that's the first thing that popped in my head because those are two very good running backs. And either of them are going to succeed in this offense. And they're still behind a true number one. And what was Travis Dye and what is Bucky Irving now? 
it really sucks though. I want to I want to be very clear that this sucks yeah. from Oregon's offensive side because if somebody else gets hurt, regardless of if it's Bucky or Jordan, then you're suddenly relying on two true freshmen and Jay and Lamar and Dante Dowdell at a huge amount of, of reps. And I think I love Jane Lamar and I really like Dante Daldell. I think they're both going to be good guys and good players down the road who are very talented, but you would still rather rely on the yeah. veteran running backs. <laughs> and it's just as simple as that. And take it from me as a guy who would never pay a running back, who doesn't think that I think running backs as good as their offensive line. You want the veteran running back. And you want Noah Whittington, you want Bucky Irving, because those guys are two, very clearly the, your two best rush, or running backs on the roster. But that being said, Jordan James, we saw him tonight. We've seen him this year. Good player. It's not like it's going to be a significant drop-off in terms of production when James is in and Whittington is out. But you hope it's just a couple of weeks. Didn't look great. Dan's comments, also not great, but... We'll see. We'll ask Dan again on Monday, see if there's a better clarification of what the injury actually is, if he wants to talk about it. But you hope it's just a couple of weeks. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's shift over to post-game, or maybe even pre-game at this point. Yeah, pre-game. Um, Mm-hmm. There was a. If you watch the game uh, on TV, ABC had cameras inside the Oregon locker room. Um, hello, content. Yes, absolutely love that. And Dan Lanning delivered with. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, but basically saying Colorado is all about the page views. We're about getting the wins on the field. We're focused on playing games. They're focused on Hollywood. Um, and that was aired on ABC, which, by the way, um, Dan, uh, Dion spoke about that as well, saying he has receipts. Um, he's not playing for clicks, whatever. Um, but that speech fired up the team. Uh, pre-game, Colorado took the field for warm-ups and used the entire length of the football field. And if you're unfamiliar with that, that's kind of a no-no to do because – the, the assumption is is that you split the field in half. One team gets one side, the other team gets the other. Specialists are the only ones that get to use the full length of the field because they have to kick. Uh, Colorado used the entire length of the football field. Troy Franklin came out and was after post game and said he was really confused by that. He, he felt like it was very disrespectful. They were saying some things, and that really fired him up. And then Brandon Dorless, I wasn't there for this one. Uh, Eric was. Um, we'll have video of it up on DuckTerritory.com. Um, Doralis basically gave us the honest answers to how he was feeling. And you, know, you don't want to say it's how everyone was feeling at Col- for Oregon's roster, but uh, there was a lot there that was pretty true to the heart and we'll probably never speak to Brandon Doralis again this season. Um, but 
if that's how he was going to go out and give us the candid, true, honest assessment, I, I applaud you, sir. And he referenced both the uh, way the pregame field was distributed, I guess you would say, and then also the video we saw that I think was posted last night of Shador Sanders and several other Colorado players kind of scuffing up the O and, you know, on the field the day before the game. And, and those things didn't seem to sit well. Um, I think the other part, which is just human nature of when you're the 21 point favorites going into a football game at home against a team that really historically hasn't done much and 90% of the dialogue is about the other team. I just don't think that's going to sit well with any team, but especially a team like Oregon that has so much pride and that has such high aspirations this year that not only you'd be kind of overshined, it just seems like you're almost overlooked. And, and that was sort of some of what Dorless got into. I don't know if we want to read too many quotes, but he did use uh, some language, um, which we don't, we don't have to read that one, but he just pointed the fact out that um, I'll, I'll read this one. It was just annoying because since I've been here, they've never been a team to come in and talk crash trash. They had all this confidence and it was just ridiculous to be undefeated against Colorado. It's supposed to happen to go out like that. is just amazing. Um, so the, and there were several others that were about this and he did reference YouTube and, the video cameras and he said it pissed me off that they were they came in here stepped on the o and all that stuff that's the result you get when you do all that so um i don't know if they're gonna like restrict doorless from talking to us again um yeah he's a veteran guy <laughs> who's been here for a long time and he didn't chris hudson it where he like gave away state secrets he just gave the to your point <laughs> earlier I, I i i don't know like is he you, you guys just think he's never talking well he <laughs> He is all of those things, Eric. He is a leader. He's probably the best defensive player on the team. He has been the face of Oregon's defense for the last two seasons, or honestly, ever since Kayvon Thibodeau left. Um, we have talked to him once this year during media day, right? No, we talked to him. We talked to him after a fall practice in the middle of fall. But yeah, it hasn't been a ton. Twice. And I, I don't know if we're going to get to talk to him that much often, but. That's beside the point. Um, these are some quotes. These are some pretty glaring quotes about what it is that Colorado did beforehand, what it is Colorado did during the game. Although Brandon said that they didn't talk too much smack. Um, it's probably because the game was close to being over very early on. Um, I, oh, side point. Like I always think it's really dumb when athletes, depending on whatever sport, like try to scuff off and ruin a turf field. Like it's turf. What, what are we doing? Like what – what is the message we're sending here? Like if it's one thing, if it's grass and all that, but just to rub your feet and kind of kick around some rubber pellets is kind of strange to me, but. And, and um, by the way, Jared, I, you're also playing on the same surface too. So why are you trying to degrade the, the caliber of the playing fields you're playing yeah, on the next day? Yeah. Good point. I don't get it, but that's just me. Um, it was, it was fun to hear Brandon talk like this because we very rarely a get the chance to hear from him and B get to hear from somebody who's not just kind of like a media robot. And it's just going to tell yeah. us like, the good answers and you know we enjoyed winning tonight that was a good team out there on the field but brandon was just like yeah man it was freaking great to go out there and, and prove them wrong and win by 36 points and keep them scoreless in the first half and sack shador sanders seven total times and see tatum to get a sack that energized me and energized the whole defense like all of these things was great to hear from brandon doorless um it's it's what you want to hear and it's what the fans are going to want to hear it's what's going to keep this is like maybe there's going to be some shots down the road from Colorado if Oregon loses or um, something like that. Like it was weird that Dion, like I said, he kept receipts after the post game, like during the post game meeting. It's like you got beat by 36. Like you can keep the receipts. Like Oregon had more first downs than yards at one point. Like during the game, like I thought that was strange, but it's just Dion. His press conference was unbelievable. I wish I could go to those all the time, um, but it's just like, all right. Like I get we can talk trash before the game, makes sense, blah blah blah. But like, all right. Like I know, like Dan's thing was was a little mean, I guess, to Colorado. It's like we're chasing wins, not clicks. Right. But he wasn't true. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. kind like, of true. Credit to Colorado. Like, they're way better than what people anticipated, including all three of us. Like, I would yeah. imagine they were going to finish at the bottom of the Pac 12, but there were a lot of, um, 
a lot of page view sessions at buffstampede.com because of what Dion and his and his guys have said over the last couple of weeks. And part of the reason why I'm not sure you just restrict Dorlis is because it's not like he's the only one who's talking. And it's a top-down operation. And, and Dan had to even open his press conference with basically apologizing for how he had comported himself. So uh, <laughs> I thought that was weird. I mean, I don't know. That was strange. That was yeah. Strange. I yeah, wanted him to embrace it. Be, be, be the dick. Like, come out here and talk to They're just trash. not, yeah. And, just not going and, to. And, and embrace it. And that that's why, to Jared's point, I, that's why I liked, I didn't see it live. I've got the video of it now, but I've read the quotes. And that's why I like, thought it was awesome. It was because like we want athletes to be genuine. And we want athletes to give us the right, you know, give us their honest takes. And we so rarely get it because everyone is so afraid to, make other people upset and, and whatnot. And, you know, like, like Jared said, Dion said that he keeps receipts and he said that this is, you know, the worst Colorado is going to be and, you know, like get them in now because they're only going to get better. And he had no problem. He said he had no problem with uh, what Dan Lanning said, but he also said he, he kept receipts. Um, and he also said very, it must be a Florida state thing because, he also said uh, after the win that by Oregon that the talent gap wasn't really wide and you know they just got their butts kicked. It's very similar to what James Winston said after Oregon just destroyed the Florida State Knowles in the 2015 Rose Bowl. And he went to the podium like minutes later. Oh, yeah, could game could have gone any, any, any way. It could have been anyone's game. And Dion didn't say that, but I mean, he called it a straight-up old butt kicking. Um, but to think that the talent gap isn't very wide is – very strange to say because it is about as wide as the Grand Canyon right now. Even though to Jared's point, yes, like they are significantly improved, you know, and that's what Dan said. They 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 they've gotten better. Dion's in, has enthused the program with some energy and some there's passion, and and that their the talent is going up at Colorado. But mm-hmm. this felt a lot like Oregon, Georgia week one last season from a game plan perspective and just Oregon simply had way better athletes. Colorado may win eight games this season, but they're nowhere close to where Oregon's at. Can I, can I pose a weird, weird question? Go for it. Go for it. I'm not, obviously no one's disappointed in the Oregon part of this. Are are you, are we disappointed? This wasn't a better football game. I was like really excited all week for it to be like a fun four quarter, like at least a game that was kind of competitive and for it to be really over by the middle of the second quarter with all the hype that was built and all the talk. And, and again, the talk wasn't anywhere near as, um, I don't know, it wasn't what it had been in previous weeks with Coach Prime in terms of how he was handling himself necessarily, but there was a lot of attention for this game. And then it was just kind of like, oh, Oregon's just way better and is just going to win this game. And there's really not even going to be any resistance was – I think obviously super encouraging if you're an Oregon fan listening to this, um, and I'm sure Oregon fans listening to this are saying you're crazy, Eric, for saying this is disappointing. But I'm just saying from the perspective of wanting to watch a competitive, good football game, like it just Dan even said it, like they went in expecting a battle and and they didn't get one. It was it was not a competitive game. So count me in the category that's at least like hmm. kind of bummed that it wasn't semi-competitive and like i was hoping to see shador sanders do cool fun shador sanders things right. that I'd see yeah, do yeah. on tv and for it to be like he's just gonna not have anywhere to throw the football and be on his ass all day because he's getting sacked was kind of like, like uh, that kind of not 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 exactly what i thought i was getting into and again obviously i cover oregon we want oregon to be good because it's that's good for business that's and we're you know we'll i'll be honest i grew up in eugene watching this program so obviously i would prefer if they look good and play well, and they did. I just think part of me is also kind of let down that like it just wasn't ever a game. I I, I would say I don't, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm that let down. Like obviously, I was anticipating it. Um, I was hoping for it to be a good game, a close game, but the line was 21 and a half to start the game for a reason. Like. Theoretically, if Colorado played their best against Oregon's best, like Vegas didn't think it was going to be close. And I was just really, uh, I was kind of like just kind of captivated by how good Oregon's defense was. Like, I'm always going to watch a good defense. And 
or I always enjoy watching a good defense. I'm not always going to watch it, which is you know sad because I would love to watch it. But today, they were outstanding. They were so good, and I almost was more impressed with that um, that ability. Like because I did not have that on my bingo sheet. Like their play was the highlight of the game. Like, I yeah, just thought that was. was just so much fun to go and watch and have a pass rush, have some some great coverage skills. Like. It was disappointing not to see Shadur Sanders because he was been he's just been so electric on television, watching against Nebraska, Colorado State, and blah 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 blah. But I don't know if I'm from that disappointed because it really, honestly, from the first drive of the game when Oregon just kind of went down the field and did whatever they wanted, you're like, oh, this this could be ugly just because of how much more physically dominant Oregon was compared to Colorado, and. I'm, I'm sure Dan, like Dan said, he expected a battle. I don't think Colorado's kids quit or anything like that. I thought they played hard to the final whistle. But after the first drive, it was like, ooh, if Oregon can do that on offense, like they're never going to get stopped. And eventually they actually were. But yeah. it was way, way, way beside the point. It was just like, oh, they have that much of a physical difference, which goes back to Matt's point, or I should point this way. Like there. <laughs> there was a huge there was a huge gap in talent, but Dion's not wrong. Like this is the year to get them like a whole off season of sure. recruiting and all, the, all that other stuff. Like they're going to be good in the big 12. Yeah. Port- Portal will be very good for Colorado because even with this loss, they're still going to be talked about. There's still going to be that attraction to go play at Colorado. There's get, you know, they're going to get good players and that will lead to high school kids wanting to go to Colorado and they will be good. Like Jared said, in a couple of years, um, maybe next year. I think it'll be good we'll next see. year. I think yeah. I do too. Yeah. If, if Shador if, comes if, back, if, yes, yeah. yes. If Shador comes back uh, and the receivers come back, then yeah, they'll they'll be. If they can, uh, if they can find an offensive line for him and maybe a defensive yes. line, maybe they'll be maybe they'll be pretty good. Uh, to answer your question, though, Eric, I I am wholeheartedly no, um, and that has nothing to do with like. I don't like Colorado or I don't like Deion Sanders. It had everything to do with people in our industry and the media, like hyping up this Colorado team as a playoff contender type team. And like when Mark Jones, when Colorado state had to come or Colorado had to come back in double overtime to beat Colorado state. And the call is, do you believe now? Like that game, you probably left with more questions than you had going in than, if this team is legit or not. And, you know, like I, I think they're, they're, they're going to, I still think they're going to be a bull team. I still think they're going to find six or seven wins this season. And I still think they're probably going to upset somebody. Uh, you know, Oregon state lost tonight, that game uh, against Colorado, you know, seeing how the Cougar offense moved the ball against them. Colorado's better than Washington state offensively. I got, you know, th- from what, uh, Throwing the football perspective, they have better athletes. They have a better quarterback. I got they could, they could win that game. They maybe should win that game. I don't know where it's at. If it's at Colorado, then they should. Yeah. Um, but I just, I walked into this one. Um, it's been a long time since it's been like a Tuesday or a Wednesday during the week where I'm like, man, can it just be Saturday? I can't wait for this game. And then when Saturday gets here, you wake up and it's, can it just be? 9.45 so I can head to the stadium and then 11. Oh, man, we still have an hour and a half to go to this game. Can it just get here? Like I was actually fired up for this game, you know, as I was as a fan going to football games all my life. Um, but it was more so because I just had 100% confidence Oregon was going to win um, and blow them out. I didn't think they would do defensively what they did. But I go back to games that – last in my memory and a lot of duck fans memories um and big time top 25 top matchups you know postseason matchups and the ones that seem to always resonate the most are the blowouts like the fiesta bowl against colorado that game wasn't close at all it was never close and it's still talked about today the rose bowl against Florida State is still talked about. That game was not close after the first quarter, maybe midway through the the second quarter. I go to basketball and you look at Kansas and the Elite Eight. Oregon destroyed them, and you know, I, I shouldn't maybe say destroyed, but they were in total control of those games. I just go back and think. Very rarely do we ever like 
talk as about the back and forth battles that end in the last play, like at Washington State last season, uh, uh, you know, for Oregon football. You often reference the games where it's just a total domination and a total blowout, and that's what this was. You know, I Oregon's offense played about an A level performance. Oregon's defense played about an A plus, and they did it against a top twenty five team, and that is what will stick out to me. So I. The fact that we didn't get a good game doesn't bother me one bit. I, I get it. I mean, I, I I guess I think there are a lot of really competitive, fun football games that I can think sure, of. Sure, there I are. Also, we also talk about a lot as well. I mean, you know, the, obviously the Oregon game in 18 of Washington, which was an overtime right. game, is like one of, I think, one of the, my favorite games I've covered. But I get your point. I was just curious because – I, I genuinely came, I was just sitting here kind of going like, obviously I'm, you know, fired up as everybody here is about the performance on Oregon side and how good they played. And, and the fact that it was over so soon was just kind of making me go, oh, all week we kind of built this up and talked about it. And we talked about the out possible outcomes of like, you know, Jared and I didn't have a cover for Oregon and Matt had one barely. And we talked about the possibility of this one being, you know, down to the fourth quarter. Like this game was over after three drives or four drives, essentially, just with how Oregon played. So obviously I am thrilled with the outcome. I'm just, I was just wondering if anybody kind of felt a little of that letdown of like, this was billed as something that it just never became. Sure. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us unless we want to look towards Stanford, but we've got all week next week to, to do that. They lost, by the way. I know we were barely lost. Barely, so we were, close. We were we were leaving the press box surprised that they were winning, um, but they mm -hmm. lost to, to Arizona. Oregon State also lost. Also lost, yeah. One. And uh, while we were recording this podcast, uh, Ohio State won on a walk-off running back dive at the one-yard line for a touchdown at, at Notre Dame. Um, O-H. It looks like today's been a good day of college football around the country. Yes. No, I O. I said O H. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, but these are good uh, games. These are fun games where it's like close at the end and it's exciting. I don't know. I, I, I'll, yes. I'll stop it. I'm just saying. Like, it, <laughs> it's it's fun when the games are kind of close. Is, is the only thing I, I would say. Sure, I get, I get what you're saying. It can be. It. Yeah, it can be. Uh, but yeah, uh, great day of football. Go to DuckTerritory.com for more coverage of the Oregon blowout win over Colorado. Uh, we'll have more stuff going up Sunday. If you listen to this podcast on Sunday, thank you. We've got stuff up now, too. Uh, and then you'll hear from us again on Monday morning with the mailbag as we get ready to hit the road, all three of us going down to Stanford, uh, which will take place Saturday at 3.30 from the farm. But until then, you've been listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Talk to you later, folks. Peace. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. To the can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.